This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Patrick here. Uh, Michael Broadcorp coming up here, our Vikings guy. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about all that coming up here a little bit later on. Uh, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Patrick, how are you, my friend? Doing all right. We're enjoying some uh, rain this weekend and into I'm today. <laughs> I walked from the, the car to here. I mean, it is pouring outside right now which is great i'm not complaining did you notice how everything greened up real fast again (laughs) but it was it is absolutely pouring out expect uh just for your commute home this afternoon expect that to be a little bit of extra time because frankly we're just not used to driving on wet roads and i noticed a lot of people going you know 40 35 40 miles an hour on highways so just you know keep that in mind as you're heading off to to home this evening drive safe and uh, be careful but thank goodness for the rain because i'd rather have it now then have it as I thought it was going to do, which is the day everything froze, we were going to get like a foot of rain, and then it was going to freeze solid, and that was going to be with us for the rest of the winter. That's kind of how I thought it was going to come back. But it definitely is coming down and heavy right now in the Twin Cities metro. Not like Duluth. You saw the pictures from Duluth? Yeah, that's, I think, the second time in just a few weeks that they've had some flooding issues. It, It raining like crazy up there, so... Just yes, keep that in mind if you're heading. It's, it's raining. It's raining across the state, which is a good thing. It is a good thing. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. You were at the Twins game yesterday. Was it a full house for with with our with our you know division clinching home squad? There was it a full house there? Oh, not at all. It was actually kind of what I expected. Between the game didn't mean anything, and the Vikings playing at the same time. It was a fairly sparse crowd was yesterday. Okay. Uh, I am, I, 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 so this weekend, first of all, I posted the pictures from Thursday night, including a nice picture of Patrick out there with Brett and myself. Uh, you can see those on the social media pages because yeah. Uh, but we posted that we had a, we had a little get together of uh, some of the people there. Great to see everyone. Um, I mean, it was great to see everyone. Uh, it was a, it was a really good get together. Uh, we did that on, on Saturday. I went to see the importance of being earnest. Have you ever seen the importance of being earnest? I have not. It is a laugh riot. It, it still holds up well today. It is a laugh riot. It is very funny. If you haven't seen that, the Guthrie's got that going on. Go see that. It's, it's worth it. It absolutely is. It is. We're just so blessed with good theater in this town. It really is amazing. So we got that. We had that. And then uh, yesterday uh, it was so I got to We have to you know, with coordinate schedules a little bit because my youngest is now working. And so I got to find a day for her to do apple picking. Plus, there was homecoming for them this weekend. So, I, you know, it was a wash to go apple picking this weekend. I'm going to go next weekend. So this weekend we did to the Arboretum, and I got a bunch of photos I'm going to post on a little bit later on, maybe even one or two calendar images uh, for the upcoming calendar year. But went on out there, not perfect yet, not perfect, 
the next two weeks will be spectacular. The next two weeks, I mean, mark my words, the first two weekends in October, actually it's the last week, day of September, first week, day of October, this weekend, and then the next weekend after that, get out to the Arboretum. It will be in pure bloom, and it will be fantastic because that's one of the best parts about Minnesota is we get the very different, unique seasons, and fall is just gorgeous. Pumpkins are out. It was great to fun. So I got out there. Uh, I will do the apple or uh, picking thing. I will say this. I'm a little bothered with our our teasing friends over at the University of Minnesota. I don't know, Patrick, if you've seen it, but they have apparently come up with a brand new variety of apple just waiting for us to to, to, to dine on and enjoy. And, it, and they're being meanie pants about it. I have heard about this new apple. Haven't read much about it, but I heard this was kind of a big deal when the hey, we've got a new species of apple we invented. Well, I mean, and by the way, and just how you said it there, can I just at what point do the well that apple will eat you? It's it's got a mouth, <laughs> and it's really pissed. We've been doing genetic testing on it for years, so uh, run. Uh, <laughs> The University of Minnesota has unraveled a new variety of apple, which will be available at grocery stores in the coming years. Coming years, damn it! Well, is it available at the high-end grocery stores already? <laughs> you, you peasants, enjoy your Macintosh. We're gonna, we're gonna have the the new one called Kudos. That's it, Kudos. If you see somebody in a black robe and hoodie at the grocery stores. I mean, they're headed into the secret apple dungeon. Yeah, they could be. Well, that's, that's secret apple dungeon. Uh, I, I, I'd love to talk about my birthday party last year, but no, it has nothing to do with that. Uh, they're, they're, they're not going to put it in a dungeon. They're going to put it in the window saying, and, and we all just as, as the common folk are going to walk past the window and watch wealthy people as, as kudos juice dribbles down their chin. It's going to be horrible. Here at Tease, this is the University of Minnesota College of Food and Agriculture's Natural Resource Sciences announces the horticulturists at the school have developed a new variety of apple, MN33 Kudos apple. It was developed crossing the Honeycrisp and the Zestar apple varieties with some badger. No, not really. No, <laughs> Delicious. I, the badger really comes through. No, it has no badger in it. It's a sister of the Sweet Tango apple. Oh, Sweet Tango. Sweet Tango is my favorite variety of apple. Sweet tango. I'll tango all over the place, man. It has a crisp, juicy texture. Oh, yes. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tastes sweet with occasional tropical overtones. Overtones. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, tropical, crisp, juicy. Oh, yes. Are you even going to make it through this description? I am not even going to. This is a, They're cruel. Just don't say a thing and then just kudos everywhere. Kudos. There you go. That's all you have to do. The new apple is a blush red color harvested in late September, and it wants you to harvest it. It was released in sorry. It was released in nurseries for propagation last year. Is that what they call it now, kids? The use says orchards have been placing orders for trees. Still, the tree takes several years to bear fruit, so consumers will not be able to purchase the apple right away. University of Minnesota, give me one of them. Seriously, I got a place in my backyard ready to grow. Oh, I'll take care of it. Oh, I'll take care of it good. I'll prune that sucker all day long, man. Well, I won't do that. I mean, that's actually you know, kind of counterproductive. But University of Minnesota, give me one of these trees, man. 
I know this that the you know people are trying to break in. You know you know where they do this at. If you go out to the arboretum, there's that fencing there with barbed wire on it. I'm surprised there isn't a guard tower with a guy with a gun on the damn thing. Apparently, people tried to break into their you know genetic harvesting labs and steal saplings of of the new apples. It's amazing. Ugh. You're just a tease. You're just a tease, University of Minnesota. How do I like those apples? I don't know. I can't have them yet. Give me one of the trees. I'll grow it. I'll take care of it. I'll love it like my own. I'll probably actually place it higher on my... I mean, one or two of the kids, definitely below the apple tree. But I'll keep it. And I'll take... I'll I'll, I'll harvest every freaking apple off that thing every single year. Yeah, some bees. Okay, wait a second. All right, no, I'll take the bees. I'll take the bees. I just want the apples. University of Minnesota, after what you did to us with the Northwestern, come on. By the way, speaking of which, uh, just really briefly here, if I can touch on this. Um, this town sucks canal water for football. It does. It just does. It's horrible here. Um, I'm not going to – I mean, Broadcorp will talk about the Viking stuff. I might even throw a gopher line or two in there when he comes and calls in with us coming up in a little more than an hour. But – I am not going to pass up the opportunity to throw the arguments for that new stadium back in the face of the people who campaigned for it. The arguments they were making were (laughs) that it will bring you championships. Stadiums bring you championships. Stadiums bring you championships. Ha! No, you know what brings you championships? Drafting an offensive lineman or a secondary during the draft as opposed to being stupid mules that keep going in there and saying, wait a second, there's a wide receiver available. We don't need a wide receiver. We need offensive line help and secondary help. And guess what? Next year, we're going to need offensive line help and secondary help. And guess what? And guess what? They're going to, hey, there's a shiny object over here. <laughs> Let's get that. Another wide receiver. We got 19 now. Stop it. Anyway, I digress. Stadiums don't build your championships. That's That was your argument. I, I never said that. That's what you guys were saying. Stadiums bring you championships. Stadiums bring you championships. The other thing you guys said is it's a a, a point of civic pride. <laughs> this town, this town is you know about to become the freaking purge, man. <laughs> civic pride, civic pride. Holy cow! Have you been on any of the social media pages in the last twenty four hours? Not exactly happy campers. No. I post that out there, and of course I get the people who's, who was like, it's, man, come on, there's concerts, there's Final Fours. Yeah, they, yeah, okay. First of all, we talked about the actual cost plus the additional costs of all the other stuff we had to do. I mean, this was about a $2 billion stadium. $2 billion, and if you can't roll that freaking around in your head and saying, wait a second, we just built a billionaire, a $2 billion taxpayer, mostly taxpayer-funded stadium, and we basically handed them the key so that even when a Taylor Swift comes in concert or a premier soccer team comes over and plays an exhibition match, most of that money goes to, if it doesn't go to the, the you know, Taylor Swift, it goes to the Wilfs. I mean, that's part of the deal. 
And they and they basically jam that money in their pocket faster than they can. When we do get a Final Four or something like that, they take over the entire downtown. They demand we build additional infrastructure like cell phone towers for all the dignitaries coming into town. They demand that no restaurant within a 100-square-block radius or whatever the damn thing was can serve anything but the beer that they say. They actually even, some places even got shut down because they weren't team players. For God, because because God forbid someone in the downtown of Minneapolis actually want to get a beer they want to get as opposed to the one forced upon them. I'm going to read from you an article I wrote. This is up on Progressive Citizen X. And I wrote this in August of 2016. Because back then, and Patrick, that was well before you were here, correct? Yeah, that's right. I wasn't here until 2020. This was four years ago, and I talked about the the stadium and the cost of the stadium. Because there was at this point, we built what's now Huntington Bank Stadium. Uh, over at the University of Minnesota. And I said this. I mean, that's different. That's the University of Minnesota. That's a that's a public school. That's different, although I don't know if you needed to make it so big because you got plenty of available seating in that place. I mean, my gosh, I mean, it, it looked like fewer people were at the Northwestern game in Northwestern than were at the University of Minnesota Duluth game I was at the weekend before. And amazing. I mean, it's just, you know, you build these big stadiums and, you know, a lot of those seats are sitting empty. So, but that's different. That's a college football stadium. The Twins built a stadium at the same time and basically and the Vikings were left out of that. And I and I honestly think a big part of that was Red McCombs and Joe Sensor when he made his Republican comments, they became the Republican Party of Minnesota Vikings. And that cost them a stadium getting built. But eventually, you know, I think that they put in they put in a new rules that basically say we're not going to be political, uh, which you know, and and they basically said we're we, you know we need this and the, and so you know and and frankly, I still think I I think I still think to me it sure seems really weird that all of a sudden we need a new stadium and suddenly oh well we're putting we're we're pouring in the middle of a massive snowstorm tons of water on top of the Metrodome oh look it collapsed really. Really? Oh, okay. That being said, they built it. And we talked about whether or not it generates things. And one of the, 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 the metrics I talked about back then was how much spending. So if we as taxpayers spend a certain amount of money on a stadium, how much money needs to be generated by a certain percentage of that crowd going to any individual game for us to to stimulate the same kind of spending in the community, which once again, to a point, you know, is is kind of difficult because a lot of the I think a lot of the the parking ramps now are kind of around the stadium are, are at least tied to the tw- the Vikings in some capacity, and they they basically there's not a lot of restaurants or anything because they have a big old opening feast out on the the plaza there before the game. So I'm going to read from this article. Now, let's accept reality. The primary tenant of this facility, the Vikings, will be playing a total of 10 games a year in it. Now, this is, this is prior to the 17-game the season, so it could be 10 or 11 games per year in it. 
The stadium will likely be considered old and outdated in 25 years at the time the next owner starts flying to Portland or Salt Lake City or St. Louis, taking tours of undeveloped regions just to scare Minnesotans into building the next stadium. 25 years times 10 games is 250. That means we just paid, as taxpayers, $4 million per game, and that's very likely on the low end. Is there anything else you would like to pay $4 million to put on even one time in the Twin Cities? When we get blown out by Arizona at home, 42-3 to in 17 years, we just paid $4 million for that honor. No stadiums don't pay for themselves. They, if they did, the billionaire owners would build them themselves and leave local governments completely out of the loop. The players mostly live in tax-free states, not in Minnesota, and the Vikings owners are currently from New Jersey. Over the long run, we're going to take a massive loss on this facility. I think the community should help the sports team build stadiums. I do. There is a value in having major sports in a town. The Twin Stadium Target Field is a great example how to build a stadium affordably. That team plays 81 games home season uh, per season in a building that costs taxpayers around $300 million. Factoring in the same 25 years of games, 25 years times 81 games per year, then divide $300 million by that number, and you get about $148,000 per game. A bargain comparatively, and you make the very reasonable argument that 20,000 fans at any given game spend only $7 each outside the stadium, you've actually encouraged spending in the community that's more than the cost per game. You follow that, Patrick, how I, how I got to that? Yep, I think so. All right. So basically a family of four just has to spend $28 outside of the stadium, and you basically have generated that kind of economy back. To get that rate of return, the Vikings would have to have every seat filled for every game, 66000 and every person who goes to the game would need to spend $66 each game to offset the $4 million. That's $66 outside of the stadium, not in the stadium, not the beers, not the food you get there, not the merch you buy there, but $66 outside the stadium in the local economy to offset the, the $4 million per game that we spend there. For a family of five, that's $330 each game outside of the stadium. That just will not happen. The entire concept of stadiums today is to make every purchase an internal one, dramatically limiting non-team-related meal, parking, souvenir sales around the facility. The Vikings don't want any competition on any level, even suing them to put a Wells Fargo sign that they felt was too damaging to their view removed, which they did. It doesn't, it, it doesn't make us any money. It's, it's a complete loss. And you can say to yourself, well, I got to see Britney Spears because I'm a big fan of Britney Spears. Well, that's fine. I think Britney Spears could play Target Field. She could play the X. She could have played Target Center. She could have played the old Metrodome. That could be the case. But what my point is is this. Get out of the house. You don't have to waste your Sundays or your Saturdays for that matter. Sitting around watching a team... I don't know how better way to say this than this. The Vikings just don't care. They're getting their money. They're they're jamming their pockets full every single game. They don't care. They don't really care about the quality of the team. They don't care about this because they know for at least five or ten years they can have a crap product and they'll still sell out every game. They don't care. And this does not going to make us any money in the market, even with... A concert every night that the Vikings aren't playing there. It just will not. And we won't have that. That building sits empty a lot of nights. No, the reality is, as if you if you have any sanity whatsoever, just don't waste your time. It's it, it's it's the, you're never going to get satisfaction from this team. You're never going to get satisfaction from that stadium. 
just go out to an arboretum, go to an apple orchard, go on out there, spend some time with your kids and limit your exposure to this. Not because I'm a bad fan. It's because I know when I'm getting ripped off. And it's tough to watch as many people in this town say, rip me off more. 952 Steve, I'll take your call after the break. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. How many times did I hear the same people saying, you want to give $40,000 in taxpayer money to the Guthrie Theater? You're wasting my money. See, the same exact people. You know, $2 billion is a, is a good amount of money to pay for a football team. You know, that's just an investment. <laughs> God, it, you would only wish the Vikings delivered pound for pound like the Guthrie Theater does. Seriously, the Guthrie Theater, last year I saw five or six plays there, which were just outstanding. Yeah. 952-946-6205. Steve is in Minneapolis. Welcome on in, Steve. Thanks for holding. Hi, Matt. Um, okay, so with the apple thing, um, this year, this summer, I planted uh, something that came from the U of M called a snow suite. Okay. Um, now I'm, I have notoriously bad luck with trees, so we'll see how it goes. What kind of, what, uh, how, how, how old is the snow sweet apple? How long has that been around? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. Um, my wife is the research junkie in the house and she just said, this is the one for us. And said, okay, I'll dig the hole. Um, but you know, it turns out maybe I'll bring you some and you can compare to your vast knowledge on the subject. Love apples, man. Right. Thank you. I pre- I would appreciate it. And the other thing is the Vikings have never, ever had a decent offensive line. Brand Tarkenton did not invent scrambling because he thought it would be fun. <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. And, and, and Steve, thank you very much. And, you, and, you, and, I, and yeah, if you bring me apples, man, dang, I'd be all over that. So, no, you're, he makes a good point. If you want proof that this team doesn't really give a rat's caboose about the product that they put on the field, that they only want to keep the Stooge fans happy. Look at the drafts. The Vikings need offensive line help. The Vikings need secondary help. They've needed that for, what, seven years, eight years? And then four or five weeks before the, the draft, all of a sudden it's, did you see this one wide receiver? We don't need a wide receiver. We need that wide receiver. It's going to be, and I think it's part of it is that these idiots want them on their fantasy football team. I honestly do. I really do. And yet it's like, oh, well, another wide receiver. Now, Addison, is, it seems like a nice enough kid. He can catch the ball. You know, great. We need secondary help. We need offensive line help. I, you know, tell, tell me a, a Super Bowl winning team that hasn't had an offensive line that's been able to give their quarterback time. And considering how many times Kirk Cousins wants to, you know, I guess have a roundtable debate with, with, you know, focus groups on which receiver he's going to throw it to on every given damn play, I, I think you need to have a, 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 you know, a front line that's going to stop the rush. Now, that being said, when, I, it, when it comes down to it, it's like, oh, God, even though we got T.J. Hawkins, we, there's this tight end we need to get. And so all of a sudden we don't get a lineman, we get another tight end. 
or we don't need a, a wide receiver. We get another one of them. Fine. Fine. But that just tells me they, they don't care. They don't care. They just want to make it look like they're trying just hard enough. And then the second we get under, under any pressure, they fail. I mean, I think it's a chronic problem in this town, frankly. I think that, that this town, we have too many teams that basically just don't care about delivering championships. They only care about filling the stadium stands. The Wild are definitely that way. The Wild are freaking definitely that way. They, they could care less about the product on the ice. They care only about, you know, basically people doing selfies and, and social media posts. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tragedy that, that that team has not yet even gotten close to a Stanley Cup. Not even close. And, you know, Timberwolves, Twins, tw- I mean, pound for pound. I mean, okay, minus the Lynx, and obviously the Lynx are, have been a, a good team here. But when you're talking about the 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 the, the main the, the 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 sports that generally are the largest attractors of crowds, the Twins are about. The, we're a baseball town, much to the chagrin of every hockey and football fan who keep insisting we're really a football town. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're a, we're a baseball town. And you got a baseball team who's got what three games? When, when, do we play tonight? Uh, oh, they're not playing tonight. They're going to be raining too hard. Oh, they weren't scheduled to play anyway. Six uh-huh. games left in the season. So they got they got three at home versus Oakland. They're at Colorado. That's how they finish it out. They could win all six of those games easily, and you know that, that's they they easily could. They're going to go in the playoffs. They're going to have home field advantage. We'll have to see how it goes. But. I, I just I'm tired of, of of this whole idea of I mean so much people it, 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 to a point I think it's tragic how much people wrap themselves in this stuff and you know at the same time you know you're you're spending eight hours nine hours at a football game on a Saturday or Sunday or you know say five hours at the Gopher game six hours at a Gopher game and you know here it is fall it's one of the prettiest times of the year and most people I mean I was at the Arboretum yesterday I was at the Arboretum. It was hardly anyone there. I mean, it was busy in some spots, but it was hardly anyone there because everyone was watching football game. Don't mind me. I, hey, I, I was able to park at the front, walk in, didn't have to wait too long at anything, was able to see everything I wanted to see. It was a good time. But may I suggest to a lot of other people out there as you continue to wonder why there is such little gratification in this town when it comes to sports – Maybe you should turn that off and try to find something else to do in your life because those teams just don't care about you. They just don't. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So I'm going to partially talk uh, the, the Democrats off the ledge after that Washington Post ABC poll, but I'm also going to basically call them out a little bit. But I'll get to that here in a second. 952-946-6205. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Give the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. So uh, I've had to deal as well with some uh, panicking people on the left because they have been told, you need to panic. And so I'm panicking. And okay. 
Uh, ABC, ABC, uh, Washington Post, ABC News poll, Biden struggling to gain approval from skeptical public with dissatisfaction growing over the handling of the economy. Biden, the former president, Trump appeared ahead in a rematch, although more than three in five Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents say they would prefer a nominee other than the president. But Biden's advisors have argued that he is the strongest Democrat for 2024, and those who wish someone else share no consensus who should be. Um, ABC, uh, 8% naming uh, Vice President Harris, 8% named Bernie Sanders. 20% say they just prefer someone else. ABC Post uh, Post poll shows Biden trailing Trump by 10 percentage point that the early stages of the election is like, although the sizable margin of Trump's lead in the survey is significantly at odds with other public polls that show the general election contest in a virtual dead heat. The difference between this poll and others, as well as the usual makeup, Trump's Biden's conclusions in the survey suggest it's probably an outlier. They themselves even to that. And as a matter of fact, I want to, I want to start the, before you, you start, oh, my God, oh, my God. I want, to, I want to make sure you understand something. I honestly believe Joe Biden's going to mop the floor with Trump. I honestly do. There's a lot of things that, that, that we, sh- we have to you know, put out there and make sure we understand about how this whole thing is going and, 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 and understand that this is an outlier and the the reality is is that we are indeed getting played to a point. I'm gonna if you go to the last paragraph of these polls, the Post ABC polls conducted September 15th to 20th among random national sample of 1,006 U.S. adults. 75% reached on cell phones, 25% on landlines. Overall results have a margin of sampling area plus or minus 3.5 percentage points. Um, these are horribly skewed polls for two reasons. One, 25% of the people are still using a landline. Wait, 25%. So you you clearly are considering that's no one under the age of 40. You are skewing, and, and frankly, I'm 55, and I'm one of the only people I know that has an actual landline in my house still. Um... I'm I'm serious. I think most people do not use their landlines and don't ever answer them. So the question is, uh, so a quarter of your poll is the people that are actually having a landline and will answer it. That's going to skew horribly to the to the right because it's going to be all elderly people. That being said, you of the 75 percent reached on cell phones. You're telling me how many people under the age of 40 see a number they don't identify with on their cell phone and say, well, I better answer this. <laughs> My kids know it's me calling and they still don't answer the damn phone. <laughs> oh, dad, hang up. I was hoping it would be a Washington Post ABC poll taker. No, that's not what's happening. That's not how it goes. So this poll and this poll traditionally has been skewed to the right. As a matter of fact, this they didn't list this in this poll, but in the past polls, they've said, oh, yeah, no, 60% of the people we talked to were either Republicans or leaned independents who leaned Republican, which is like, okay, then you're not doing a poll. You're basically doing an opinion piece. That being said, regardless, we just had a special election a week ago. And in New Hampshire, once again, that was a 13-point swing, actually. It ended up being a 13-point swing on that special election case. Falls into line with exactly what had happened post-Roe last year, every special election, a 10 to 15-point swing towards the Democrats. Then comes Election Day last year, 
What happened? Did you red tsunami? Red tsunami! Oh, oh, well, we lost everything in Minnesota, and we barely won the U.S. House back. Oh, that that's kind of bad. So, uh, and and then once again, every race we've seen so far, these special elections. Once again, the Democrats are outperforming what the polling numbers say. Why? Because these polls skew old. They still have yet to figure out how to engage anyone under the age of 40 on a consistent basis. Go read about these polls. These polls are outliers at best. So I'm not too concerned about it. I will say that even they themselves say this seems like a real outlier. Still, I mean, at that point, you have to ask yourself the question, well, if you yourselves noticed that this was probably skewed and probably wrong, why did you release the poll? Eh. Which brings up the next point. There is a concerted effort to basically keep this election close through the entire election cycle. Now, let me first start off with Fox News and the other right-wing news outlets. As much as Republicans in this country like to scream, they're liberals on the other networks. Okay. At best, at best, MSNBC is a Fox light on the left, a light. I mean, for God's sakes, yesterday on Fox News, they actually were arguing we should be able to force religion on people because the First Amendment doesn't say anything about not forcing people religion onto people. And I said, wait a second. Actually, it does. It does very clearly. Freedom of religion and not religion. So you cannot force religion on anyone. You just cannot do that. That is the entire point of the First Amendment in the Freedom of Religion Clause. But yet, they, they, they make it seem like, well, because Jen Psaki is on MSNBC, it's the same thing. No. Fox News is a propaganda network. It is just a propaganda network. NBC does some propaganda, but they're still far more news than they are propaganda. So that's when I say that MSNBC is at best Fox News light. CNN is not, you know, I, you know, it, it's relatively neutral. But there is nothing on the left that compares with Fox News. And there sure as hell is not anything out there that compares with Newsmax or OAN or the litany of other far right news outlets who are not there to report news. They are only there to brainwash a certain segment of the population. They are so threatened by having an equivalent version of that when Air America came to light that they basically did everything in their power to kill Air America. I mean, for goodness sakes, we used to be part of the Air America network. When I got here back in 2010, we were kind of in the tail end of that. There were still one or two hosts. I think Rachel Maddow was still doing the night show at that point here when I first started. And... All of a sudden, radio stations across the Midwest and across the country that were carrying Air America programming were being bought up and shut down. That simple. They'd wealthy people would walk into the radio station saying, "Tell me a che- tell me a number to put on this check," and they'd say, "Hey, give us this amount," and they'd take it. And either the next day they'd switch it to the 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 fifth or sixth sports talk network in that market, which made them no money, or else they just shut the radio station down. It was a concern. It was a, a it was a coordinated effort. 
to do this. That was the kind of the point of it. They were so threatened by the idea that there would be a national network that would be basically unapologetically progressive. And we are one of the last stations still standing, thank God, to the ownership that we've had and have now. So it is kind of one of those things where you have to understand, even when we've tried to have a progressive version of Fox News or Fox Radio or any of these things, the reality is they've come in and they just will buy up the stations because they are so abhorrent to the idea of people even hearing the differing point of view. I mean, they've, let's face it, we've talked about this before. Across most of rural America, what have they done? They've basically gotten rid of anything outside of NPR and a newscast on the top of the hour. And trust me, they've tried to get rid of that. As a matter of fact, I have a friend that works in, in another state in rural uh, part of the state at the public radio station. And there was a petition that was re- you know, dropped off of their station about six months ago or something like that, where they were demanding that the news be, you know, not air news at the top of the hour. And they said, well, we can't. We just, that's the, the feed. And they were so upset about it. Not because the news was left-leaning, but because it hadn't been filtered through a, right, a pro-right filter. So there's that problem, too, that there is a portion of this country that only gets a right-wing news venue. But then... Let's call out the rest of the media because I'll tell you right now that if you're a fool, if you don't think that MSNBC and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post and all these news outlets, the L.A. Times, they all want this election to stay close, not because they favor one side or the other, but because a close election means a lot more campaign ads. It does. It does. And they want those campaign ad money. That is, I was in Iowa where they had the Iowa caucuses. Trust me that every owner of a radio station in Iowa makes a freaking mint every four years. It's printing money. It is absolutely printing money. And these news outlets, they don't want, I mean, the last thing they want is, well, you know, Joe Biden's leading Trump by a mile. So... All of a sudden, it's like, well, if you're going to say that, then we're not going to advertise. So what do they say? I mean, let's talk about how the news has been covered in the last six months in this country. The news, not Fox, not Newsmax, not all these. The news outlets, Star Tribune included, I'll throw them on in there. It's Donald Trump is is facing all these charges, but hey, look, it's a cute little puppy. Donald Trump, cute little puppy. Or it's a, wow, Joe Biden sure delivered for America. He's going to die tomorrow. You know, that's kind of their narrative. That's how they're putting it out there. Tell me that that's not the narrative. I I have to read and look at way too much news on any given freaking day. That is the narrative. That That is how it's being presented. Joe Biden is actually one of the most productive presidents in the history of this country, and you would never know it watching mainstream news. Donald Trump is a piece of human frickin' trash who is guilty, tried to overthrow the government, and that's just, that's it. There is, he's a crap, he's a human version of a crap sandwich. That's all, that's all it is. If we had legitimate news left in this country, this wouldn't be close. Republicans would be like, you know, they'd, they'd be already making the argument, you can vote for Joe Biden and still vote for a Republican senator. That would be their entire argument right now. It should also be mentioned that they've also, through Elon Musk, who's this big, big, one of the biggest idiots I've ever seen in my entire life, 
desperately gone after the social media campaigns because they basically feel as if they can't win if the social media basically allows left-leaning progressive ideas to be out there. So they've, they basically have taken out Twitter. Now, I don't know how much it's going to help because most of the people, especially in the age of 30, are Snapchat, Instagram, and, you know, maybe Blue Sky a little bit. But, you know, you're, you're, it, it still is. It shows you the amount of control. That is, not an, it, that is not a coincidence. Elon Musk taking out Twitter is part of this plan of controlling the narrative. And it absolutely is. It is a absolute joke of a failure, but it should be mentioned that there's also another group of people to blame, and that is the Democrats. And I said it in the state and nationally. You guys need to go brag. Democrats like way too much, way too much to basically sit there and, you know, we don't need to say anything. Everybody will see that we were right. No, 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 no. The second after every Republican voted against the infrastructure bills on the federal level, all these bills on the local level, the second they did, they ran out to their districts and took credit for the ones they wanted to take credit for. And in the towns, in the areas they've created, because of this right-wing media that we have in this country, they're not questioned. No one goes up to them and says, hey, wait a second, didn't you vote against those bills? Nope. As a matter of fact, they do quite the opposite. It's like, thank God you were there to vote against the bill that you built and basically delivered for our community. Every Republican is taking credit for bills they voted against. Because they know the Democrats won't go on out there and do it. And so in a vacuum, guess what happens? They get the credit. And they'll even sell you. I mean, Republican voters in rural areas, like, yeah, they voted to not pass this water treatment plant. But thank God the Republican got the, the, the water treatment plant built. And you'll look at them like, did you hear what you just said? It's like, no, I didn't. Because they, they specifically don't want to pay attention. They just want their narratives validated. This is what happens after 30 freaking years. 30 freaking years of narrative validation. So yeah, you needed to, the day after the legislative session ended, you needed to have Democrats in every county, in every district. You needed billboards. You needed radio interviews. You needed ads. You needed to be taking credit for it. And Joe Biden on the national level has done that at points, but it's not been enough because the Democrats like to sit there and act like they don't need to do this, that it's beneath them. For God's sakes, you've got 13 months just because this one poll comes on out. I don't care. Get off your damn asses and do your damn jobs. You've got a lot to brag about. It's no one's going to be against you if you take credit for it because they're sure taking credit for it. In a vacuum, evil wins. And you guys are sucking every bit of air out of the room because you just don't. We're going to take the high road and we're not going to brag. Get out there and freaking brag, man. What did you just do? You did enough. You, you did a, a buffet, an old country buffet worth of bragging stuff here. Stop acting like you can't talk about that. 
Stop getting tied up in these stupid Democratic or excuse me, stupid Republican arguments where they go on out there and, and, and start saying SROs are a big deal. Oh, my God, SROs. It's, they're going to keep doing this. They're going to keep throwing things out there. You guys need to learn how to stand up for yourselves and brag and freaking brag. You guys keep expecting the world to come and say, thank you, Democrats, and it's just not going to happen. Because before anyone gets the impression that, oh, wow, the Democrats helped us, the Republicans are inundating them with news, whether that's right-wing news or even mainstream news. They're limiting their social media accounts. They're putting out as much disinformation as possible. And the Republicans are taking credit for the bills that they voted against. You wonder why you don't get credit and things get worse and worse out in rural America. It's because of that. And you sure as hell are not going to go on out there and do what you should do and start buying up radio stations and build your own progressive radio network out there. You're not going to do that. So you might as well get out there and buy some billboards, get out there and talk in every freaking district, and do whatever you need to freaking do to make sure everyone hears the Democrats, the DFL, they're the ones who delivered. Instead of waiting for a miracle to happen, because that happened in 2016, and guess what? We didn't get a miracle. We got a crap sandwich. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. And let me make sure when I come back, what is on the freaking table here, okay? We'll take a break. Come on back. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. So I want to make sure you understand exactly where things are going right now because if you sit on your asses and expect someone to basically fix this for you, you're wrong. You, Everyone who's listening to me needs to get out there and fight their asses off to make sure that Donald Trump does not win again and, and the Democrats win even more seats across the country. It is clear there is a certain percentage of the population I'm going to guess 5% of the population who is starting to become perfectly content with the idea of marching their neighbors into the town square and putting bullets in the back of their head because they were traitors because they voted Democrat. And once again, this is what 40 years of brainwashing media gets you. Take a look at how they are at today. They're trying to kill every one of you. They're trying to take everything you've got. They want to murder you. Oh, they want to. They want to. They want to harvest your children's endochrome. That's. The, I mean, it's beyond ludicrous. They're trying to steal your children and turn them gay. That is. That is. All of that is not on the tertiary right wing networks. That's on Fox. That crap's on Fox. of this population right now is ready to start rounding up their neighbors and pulling bullets in their head because you voted Democrat and they're going to send a message and all the rest of you people that voted Democrat, we're going to find those voter rolls. We're going to find out, we're going to find out who you are and you're not going to get anything. As a matter of fact, we're going to kick you out of the house and I'm going to take your house. Yeah. And we're going to kick you out of the house and we're going to make you work. Make you work really hard. And you're not going to get any benefits or any good. Now, meanwhile, I'm going to get all, keep all my benefits. As a matter of fact, I'm going to get extra benefits. Because, you know, I'm a Republican and it makes me a good American, so henceforth the government should help me. But you're bad Americans and you don't get any help. So we're going to make you go to forced work camps and go do that. And I'm going to, live, I'm going to have your house. And that's going to be great. And I'm dead serious. That is starting to become a 
tangible argument that is starting to float around in these extremist far-right circles. And the reason why is because no one's done their freaking job and actually shut this crap down. And one other thing, because Donald Trump is encouraging this. If they come after me, they're coming after you. It's cult leader 101. It's cult leader 101. If Donald Trump is elected again, that's the end of democracy in this country. He'll never give up power again. And there'll be an army of people. And heck, they'll actually staff the military with pro-coup military leaders. It's over. Democracy dies if Donald Trump. That, I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. That's not a, a hyperbole. That's just a reality. If Donald Trump wins again, democracy will die. He almost killed democracy on January 6th. He, if he gets back in office, he'll do the job right this time. So if that is not the argument I hate to say to you, get off your damn asses and, and, and start fighting, well, I don't know what is. But get off your damn asses and start fighting. Welcome to the party, pal. Hour two, that's coming up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Monday. Good to be with you on a rainy Monday in the Metro. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. And by the way, just uh, piggyback on the last hour. Republicans have to convince you there's no reason for you to go to the polls for them to have any chance. And this this tells you how bad I think that that 10, 15 point thing is a legit deal is that they've got to get a substantial amount of the Democrats more than ever to stay at home. Why do you think 13 months before the election we're having polls and then the narrative out there? So, well, it's over for Joe Biden. 13 months before the election. Prior to two, two, two scoops of raisins, no, two trials Trump is going to have to have to deal with beforehand. So uh, rain in the metro area uh, right now. So be careful out there. It's going to take you a while probably to get home. So just drive safe. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Patrick, have you ever played the game Pickleball. I have not, but I have heard a lot about it. Well, if you heard it because you hear the bunk, 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 as you go, if you get anywhere near a pickleball court, it's 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 basically ping pong on a tennis court. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. I have a friend of mine who's like, yeah, we took my mom out for it, and now we're totally addicted to it. Do you? Okay, and, and it is. It's it's fun. It's a bit social. It's it's there. I'll I'll get to this in a second because the Star Tribune has an interesting story on this, and I saw this a bit myself. But it, it is one of those things. I was talking to someone this weekend. I was, uh, I was at, the, at the gym on Saturday, and I was talking to a guy about, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, of course, I'm doing the weight training now coming back from the accident last year. And I said, I can see myself getting to the point where I just can't do this stuff anymore. And I said, and I said kind of tongue-in-cheek, oh, well, that's when I pick a pickleball. And that's when this elderly guy said, oh, yeah, that's what you do. It's, imagine tennis, only you don't run nearly as much. It's and and that's kind of what it is, you know. It's and I'm not saying that some people don't. I'm not saying that it's not it, it's active, but this is one of the reasons why I think it is so popular, especially with the older crowd. Is that it's it's a it is basically tennis without running line to line in a tennis court, and it's even. I'm 55 years old. I have no interest in going out there like I was when I was 30 and playing tennis. I mean, I'd go out on a court when I was 30 for three hours on a Saturday and play a friend in tennis. And, you know, today, hit the ball right to me or else it's, it's, it's going to be a quick game. 
So I I I noticed. So I I I'm at the Y. That's where I go. I work out. And at RY, the main gym, there's a walking track above this. And back months ago, this is back before I could start weight training again. I was basically limited to walking. And so I would go and hit that, either the, the, the track at the Y or the Adina Dome, and I would, I'd basically just keep walking and walking. And it would take me an hour time to get to three miles or so. And, you know, I, I'd get there and it just, you know, it was like a long road back. But the reality is, is it gave me some time and I listened to podcasts and stuff like that. And I would watch what was going on. Sometimes there'd be kids playing basketball down there at this. But at, at this, at this Y, there was a, They'd set up pickleball courts, and one day they would set up like four pickleball courts, and it was packed. It was packed. There were people down there, and just it's once again the appeal of the the sport. There was two guys that came who sat down, and like I said, I'm there for an hour. I'm walking around, and they're sat down for an hour to play, and they're waiting for a game, waiting for a game, waiting for a game, and at no point did anyone kind of try to work them into a game. The groups of people that came were were sets of four, and each one of them took up their own net. And there ha- it's not that they weren't being social. It wasn't like this. And I didn't notice anything as far as rude comments or anything. But it clearly was, this is our net. We're not going to switch out. We're not going to trade out. This is it. And those other two guys who are just looking to, you know, hey, we'll take winner sort of thing, were never even allowed to get on the court and play. And I, it kind of sat with me as like, okay, it, it, it's, it seems like a social sport, but it also seems like a sport where if you're not part of the group, you're kind of being left out a little bit. Anyway, the Star Tribune put out a story here. Several weekends ago, I observed a middle-aged man having an outburst on the sidelines of a city-owned pickleball court. He was barking at other players and stomping around for dramatic effect. This sort of spectacle almost never happens because most people in the pickleball court are deliriously happy. Now, she wrote this from a very pro-pickleball kind of point of view. He capped his tirade with a final lamentation. This is supposed to be a community sport. The root of his frustrations was a phenomenon more particularly associated with the preschool playground than a pickleball court. Nobody apparently would play with him. Which, by the way, it's, it's, it's very clear that this person's bad, you know, kind of, you know, kind of poo-pooing the individual uh, that it brought up the concerns on this, but at the same time, it does it does seem to me that there is a legitimate concern to go about this. My group, including my husband and two friends, and I shrugged it off as just another guy being melodramatic. But in recent days, I've begun to wonder if maybe we're a part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, there's a, there's a lack of self awareness in this entire article, which is pretty hilarious. Pickleball has grown expect, uh, exponentially over the last few years, in part because of its social and inclusive nature. Many enthusiasts speak reverently of old-timers welcoming newbies into the fold and generally sharing their pickleball wisdom. In many cases, you can show up on any outdoor court, uh, you, just you and your paddle, and mix it up with, for strangers for hours. But some say the days of truly open play are waning, especially during the evenings when court time in public parks is most coveted. Hordes of people descend on the painted concrete like moths to flame. Some players hit the courts with their predetermined groups of four largely sticking to themselves, just what I saw a few months back. Terry Lowe, a 48-year-old retired entrepreneur from Shakopee, 48, well done, sir, plays pickleball four to five times a week. He said he's frequently snubbed when he shows up solo looking for games. I'm not shy. I go up to every court and do my darndest to try to get in. He said even when I ask politely, they say, oh, no, we're fine. 
That's happened to Dwight Sargent as well. The Albert Lee resident was visiting the Twin Cities, stopped by several suburban courts before he could find one that would let him play with others. Part of the problem, he said, is that the higher-level players, and he considers himself part of that advanced group, are being choosier about their matchups, and they're not interested in diluting the competition with unvetted strangers. Although Sargent's excited about the sport is becoming more competitive and attracting younger players, he worries that pickleball culture is departing from its inclusive beginnings. People are taking it way too seriously. The social aspect is dwindling. It's kind of sad to me. Now, I want to say, if I can stop, I want to – I was part of, in high school, the skateboarding culture. I had a Lance Mountain board, loved it. Back then, there was – the culture of skateboarding was welcome everyone's in. Everyone can play. No one, no one can, can be part. You know that, that no one's going to be left out. If you got a board, you know someone would try to teach you basic tricks and stuff like that. And I wasn't really great. I could do some tricks, but not a lot. I had one or two friends who were really good. And thanks, by the way, thanks to us, the old Hyatt down there on Twelfth and Nicollet, when they put up their no, no skateboarding signs, guilty as charged. That was that was me and my friends. You're welcome. But we'd go on out there and we'd skateboard and we had a good time and I enjoyed that. And I was kind of surprised when we started having kids and we found out, oh, it's like there's like clubs now and there's, there's leagues and stuff like this. I'm like, there are? That seems kind of really counterculture to what skateboarding was all about. But it's not that bad. I mean, skateboarding isn't going to turn into pickleball, for goodness sakes. It's just not. There's always going to be a bit of an outsider element to it. And even my kids, when they'd go out with their skateboards, would occasionally come across groups where, you know, they would just be hanging out and be exactly like it was back in the early 80s, mid 80s when I was skateboarding. And you'd run into groups and people would, you know, hey, let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to do a grind and ollie, whatever the case may be. So that that was kind of the case. So there there was definitely you know, a different culture there, but it changes as, as a sport becomes more popular, as, as the demand becomes more popular, it changes the sport. And that's the exact same thing that's going on with pickleball right now. It's just whatever it was, it was just kind of a fun way to do basically a grown up version of ping pong on a tennis court. Uh, it's, it's now you've got competitive leagues and I'm, I'm in the Midwest. I'm ranked at number 74. Come on, man. I can't just play anyone. That sort of thing. And that's, that's what happens. I remember when they brought in lacrosse. I remember when they brought in lacrosse to the high schools, and it was like, anyone want to play? No. Forget about that. Uh, On the Pickleball Minnesota Facebook page, a recent post about a cultural shift drew more than 130 responses, and not everyone agreed that it was happening. (laughs) Could be like this woman who's like, well, I go there with my four friends, and I never have any problem with trying to let anyone in because we never do. That's the sort of thing. Timing may cloud the perception, for example. I can easily find pickup games on weekdays with my local park or with most of the senior crowd at community gyms in the mornings. But after work, the courts fill up with much more diverse scene. Teenagers, college students, families of small children, and advanced diehards, all competitive for the limited space. What's behind the friction community members point to an explosion in participation, a lack of consensus about court etiquette, and a widening range of skill levels among players. When Twyla Gesso's husband picked up pickleball eight years ago in the Andover Community Center, he was lucky if he could find eight people to fill two courts. Now, when the couple plays in winter, all 12 courts will be filled with 30 people waiting in line, she said. Some players want hard and fast game, while others prefer to keep it casual and fun. 
There are so many different levels of play now, and it's creating what is uh, what is is creating is that separation. Is my goal to play with my friends? Is my goal to play with family because it'll get better? It's also been a huge pushback from the pickleball community about league play. Jessica said in the summer she runs a women's league uh, through the city of Plymouth. People would come yelling at me on court saying, you can't have these courts. Where, why are you here, she said. Even after Jesso explained that the city reserved the courts for large league participants, they would go on the courts and play anyway. I would have to tell them, I'm going to call the police if you don't leave. So, yeah, this sounds real welcoming. Jesso said many cities do a better job community communicating ground rules and establishing designated times for rec-style pickup leagues, advanced time, and first-come, first-serve situations that would be ideal for beginner groups. The writer of the article's take, my take, yes, it might seem harder on top of the court uh, to hop on the court with strangers, but don't assume it's because people are being snobs. Well, uh, okay, I'm trying to think about how I want to. You kind of are now, and and I and I'll and I'll I'll give you this. If you started playing, say three four years ago. And it was like one of these areas where there was 20 courts and four people there to all of a sudden be one of those people that was committed to the sport early and have to go on out there and like, oh, God, I, I only got two hours here to play pickleball and it's going to be an hour before I get on a court and that's going to be one game and then I'm going to have to get off that court. I can understand why it builds up frustration. I can also understand the separation and seriousness. That people, some people are more serious about the sport. Some people want to play the sport more, you know, more, more professionally. I, I mean, I hate saying it, but there are. I already know there are. There's like professional pickleball players and stuff like this. And it's. I imagine it's only a matter of time before it's an Olympic sport. <laughs> bonk, 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 bonk. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is. I can see that. That's coming. Heck, skateboarding's an Olympic sport now, for goodness sakes. So, you know, you you have this case where it's, you know, you, you, there people are reluctant to whatever the reason. They, they, they don't want to share the time. They want to use this as a get-together to see the friends that they want to see. They're more serious about the sport than other people. But all three of those have a little bit of a basis in being a bit of a snob. And that's just a reality of it. And you may not like that, and you may not like that you know, accommodation, but that's, yeah, you're kind of being a little snobby about it. Maybe not real snobby. You know, how dare you violate this area? Hmm, hmm, we'll get my, get my cold, manservant Claude, get my gold-plated pickleball mallet. I'm going to whack them. No, I'm, it's not that. Thank God. But although I do have an idea for a radio skit I'm going to be doing on Friday. <laughs> it's But it's, it is – there is a level of snobbery. Now, I, I think what you're going to have to do is get a little bit more on the rules and that, that y- you – and maybe what you do is you have say – there's, say there's eight courts in an area. Four courts are set up for – Teams of four that come together in four. The other four are first come, first serve. And those are singles and or or doubles that are looking for someone to play. But you can't push your way ahead. If all of a sudden there's three people in the court and they need one more, they and, and the next person is in a group of four people, they can't boot the other three off. One of those people has to just go play with those three, and that's it. I think that's what it's going to have to be. Because the reality is this, is that as much as – 
you might be upset because this guy was having a temper tantrum like a little kid on the pickleball court. Unless you put rules into place that basically treat the players like they're little kids so that there's no, you know, mystery about it. You know, I go to the I go to the gym. It tells me on even days I walk this way. On odd days I walk this way. I'm not just going to go out there and start walking whatever way I want to go and just tell them that they don't know what they're talking about. No, it's just that's that's. You know, you, you, you have to sometimes lay the rules out so that even a kindergartner can follow the rules. I think you're going to have to do that because I can just see this. Considering this sport just keeps getting bigger and bigger, I think you're going to end up having more and more problems, especially now that we're getting in towards winter and that there's going to be a limited amount of time and space on these indoor courts where whether they're permanent or just temporary of how people are going to be able to get out there and do that. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, The Matt McNeil Show. Michael Broadcourt is going to join us and dissect the Vikings Coming up here in a little bit. Maybe I'll ask him a little bit about uh, one or two other things as well. But uh, I want to give I give an update on two different uh, court stories here going on. First of all, uh, this is Lou Raguse from uh, I think it's eleven, isn't he? Eleven, I think so. Thirty five friends and family members from the victims packed the courtroom of the hearing involving Derek Thompson. He's charged with crim- criminal vehicular homicide, killing five young women in the crash. He's revealed in court. That the sides are negotiating a plea. He adds, plea deal doesn't mean less prison time. It all depends on what's agreed to. He also has the federal case looming over his head. Yeah, he's going to go to jail for a long time. I don't know if he'll ever get out. Uh, I find it still, once again, interesting to considering who the, 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 the person who should go to jail is. The, it seems like considering all the problems that go on, in the city for the the, the 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 right basically latching on and like these poor victims yeah they're poor victims and I can there's a lot of other poor victims I'm not saying we don't pay attention here but it's there's a lot of victims in a lot of places but this one is you know they can sense a political tone so that they're jumping in on this needless to say I if this guy sees the light of day I'd be shocked and he shouldn't he killed five people uh, violently killed five people and yeah he should not be going anything you know there. I don't know with Mary Moriarty, though. Speaking of which, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison is declining to intervene in the murder case after the victim's family asked him to and Governor Walls to remove the case from Hennepin County Attorney Mary Moriarty filing a proposed plea deal that would keep one of the defendants out of prison. The family of Stephen Markey says Moriarty is wrong to offer uh, Hussein Braveheart less than a year of workhouse incarceration and probation for the deadly 2019 carjacking of Stephen Markey in Minneapolis. Braveheart was 15 at the time. The other defendant, Jared Oshman, was 17. He's currently serving 22 years in prison. Earlier this year, Walls and Ellison removed a murder case from Moriarty over similar objections to a similar plea deal offered to a juvenile offender in the murder case. But Ellison said that he didn't anticipate making a rare decision like that. Again, he reiterated the stance in a statement to the Star Tribune. Now, once again, I mean, and I give Keith Ellison a lot of credit. You, you, his job is not to basically 
dictate this. And he comes and talks about this. County attorneys are elected to exercise their judgment about how to secure safety and justice in the communities. The attorney general's divine role in criminal prosecution is primarily to step in and assist when county attorneys request our assistance and in extremely rare occasions when the governor assigns the case, Ellison said. I said earlier this year that I did not expect to ask the governor for any uh, to as any assign future criminal cases from county attorneys to me while I'm reluctant to say more now because I have not yet had the opportunity to meet in person with the Markey family. That remains my intention today. Ultimately, all elected officials, including county attorneys, are accountable to voters for their decisions. So basically he's saying this. It's like, regardless of whether I like it or not, Hedeman County elected Mary Moriarty. Mary Moriarty has, should have some level of decision-making here because that's what the people wanted, at least there. Now, I have been very vocal that... In the cases that were yanked away, that she was not indeed doing what I thought she should have been doing in that case. I think that there was definitely some problems there. A spokesperson for Walls declined to comment. The Markey family continues circulating an online petition to stop the plea from happening ahead of Braveheart sentencing next month. They're furious and frustrated that probation is on the table after years of being told that prosecutors would seek an appropriate sentence after the slaying of Markey, a 39-year-old paralegal from Plymouth. Markey was shot in broad daylight June 11, 2019 in northeast Minneapolis. Oshman pled guilty to second-degree murder in 2020 and admitted to firing the fatal shot. Markey's family said Braveheart, now 20, he was once again 15 when this happened, who is charged with first-degree aggravated robbery and aiding and abetting a second-degree murder, orchestrated the carjacking and also shot Markey. They don't understand the uh, disparate treatment of the two suspects. Markey's mother and sister are both attorneys. If I can't ju- get justice for my brother, let's be honest, I have resources. I understand the system. I can get the right outcome for my murdered brother, who is also involved in the legal system, who can, said Susan Markey. Oshman was certified to stand trial as an adult. Meanwhile, Braveheart's case made its way all the way to the Minnesota Supreme Court over arguments of whether he should be a stay as juvenile in court. In November, the justices ruled he should also be tried as an adult. Okay. Marcus feel as Moriarty is going against the state's highest court by offering Braveheart probation. Moriarty has defended the decision by using a science of adolescent brain development and progress. Okay. You don't just erase bad actions. There's plenty of 15-year-olds that are not carjacking someone and murdering them. And when it does happen, it, it's I, – I, I, I don't get this. I, there's a small – their brain wasn't developing. Well, yeah, but they murdered somebody. I, I, you know, I don't know why this is so hard for people to understand. It's like, okay, I get it. He made some bad choices. So maybe you don't lock him up for 50 years, but there's a dead body here. He can be tried as an adult. The Supreme Court of Minnesota has ruled that, yes, he can. And you now seem to be just trying to rush to get some sort of plea deal as opposed to trying him as an adult and, you know, maybe having him in jail for 10 years. And I do know the truth is I would bet most people it would be hard, but I think most people would understand. They say, oh, by the way, the person who is the trigger man, we're putting him away for 22 years. I'm looking for 10 years on the other person because at the time of the shooting, he was 15. I can try him as an adult, but we don't want to put him in, you know. We're going, to, we're going to basically try to put him in jail for 10 years because of his age. I think most people would understand that. What I don't think they understand is, oh, well, 
you know, he'll get a year, year in the workhouse and then he's going to be, he'll be on probation. And so, and we're going to seriously wag our finger at him before he walks out the door. You know, in, in all these cities where they've tried to do this, what ends up happening is these people that they say are ready to go back into society, there's inevitably one or two of them that end up becoming, committing a more heinous crime. And then they're like, brain size. And, and yeah. She wants Braveheart to serve one year in the county workhouse with five years of probation. The court could impose the same sentence as Osman if he violates probation. When news broke of the offer in July, Moriarty in a press conference said Braveheart had an extremely responsive to the carefully selected treatment. She reiterated in that statement on Monday, if we disrupt that progress, we will jeopardize public safety and risk everything when he comes back to the community. We cannot take that risk. Well, the problem is, is that you have no guarantee that when you put him back in society after one year in the workhouse and in probation that things are going to go well. What we can say is this. You were part of a plan that murdered somebody. You should go to jail for a while. I, I just – there's a lot of excuse-making for Moriarty's department, and I just – I don't know if this is necessarily your job. You know, your job is to seek justice for the wronged and no, putting a kid at home with an – you know, so they can get DoorDash and Netflix after they murdered somebody, that's not there. Giving a person one year and then probation and then making them pinky swear they're not going to do anything wrong again – Screaming brain size, you're not getting justice. And there's a lot of people out there who will say, well, that brain size. There's a dead person here. The plea offer shocked Marquis' family. They were informed on Friday in July ahead of a plea scheduled in the following Monday. They immediately demanded a meeting with Moriarty and requested continuance. When Mary Moriarty was running for office, undeniably that there needed to be changes. I mean, I think the whole Jaleel Stallings case showed us that there indeed was a need to um, to address things and fix things because there is clearly a racial tinge within the county prosecutor's office. I don't ever remember her saying, I'm going to let murderers get probation. I don't ever remember that because I wouldn't have voted for her if that was what she said. And I will say this. I, 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 I can make a prediction earlier. There's, I just don't think there's any way on the planet she, she wins another term. Because I think this is just you are not serving the victims. You're re-victimizing the victims on a theory. And I don't think that that's doing anyone any good. And like I said, there are, right now there are a lot of people waiting for one of these people that you release – with a, basically a slap on the wrist to offend again so they can throw it back in your face. Because that's what's happened in a lot of other places where they've tried this kind of, you know, no holds, limited punishment mentality. And it just seems like Minneapolis is the latest, Hennepin County is the latest place they're going to try it to see maybe it will work this time. Yeah. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Michael Broadcorp will change the direction and go into Vikings football when he do return. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.
1050, the progressive voice of Minnesota, Matt McNeil Show. Michael Broadcorp is known for his podcast, his political point of view, but he's also known, at least in this venue, as our Minnesota Vikings expert. He is kind enough today to join us to talk about this and, and the problem with hiring a cannabis director. We'll get to that here in a second. Michael, thank you very much. I appreciate the time today. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and continue to grieve with you on air rather than in private. Well, it's, can I, I want to bring up something here, which is really weird. The NFL passing leader is Kirk Cousins. The NFL Correct. receiving leader is Justin Jefferson. The, the, the best defensive sack specialist in the NFC is uh, 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 is Hunter. Is uh, got, what, five? And yep. yet we're 0-3, and that doesn't, none of this makes any damn sense that you should have this, and yet this is where we're at. Man, I stared at that tweet last night, or that post now, as it's called, and I stared at it, and I stared at it, and I stared at it, because I, I was wondering if it was, you know, made up, it was fake news, as they would say, uh, it was true, yeah. and it just was like pouring salt in the wounds last night. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm, and I'm looking at it, I, I, I also agree. I was like, is this legit? I'm on ESPN's site right now. Yep, nope, it's legit. It, it, it is, well, okay, let's, I'll give you a little bit of a positive at least you're not the Gophers, because that loss yeah. was un- that was that was a program crippling loss at Northwestern. They had, and I don't think they're going to come back the rest of the season. No, it was it was really bad, and and I was the I was the dummy who tweeted out, "Look, everyone, I know the Gopher game was bad, but you know by this time tomorrow we're going to be cheering on the Vikings' first win." And boy, was I wrong. Uh, two things I want to just get your pr- opinion on in, in this in regards to how they're at 0-3. And once again, they did lose to the San Diego Chargers. Now two losses at home, which is a really big problem, and two losses against a team that they probably should have beaten. But this year versus last year, one of the things a lot of people said about last year was every bounce went the Vikings' way. I mean, just look at that Indianapolis Colts game. I mean, every bounce went their way that last season, and so far this season, it's the complete opposite, is that every bounce seems to go against them. And, um, yeah, that, that, would you agree that, that is, that's part of the problem is just that sometimes there's just quirks of the game of any sport that sometimes you get breaks, sometimes you don't, and they're just not getting any of the breaks this year? I was at the Indianapolis Colts game with my daughter last year, one of my daughters, and we were commenting during the game that everything that needed to go the Vikings' way did that particular game. I was with my son yesterday, and we spent a lot of time in our seats talking about that game, the Indianapolis game from the prior year, and how everything was going wrong this particular day when he was in the stands with me. Because every bounce that went, that could have gone the Vikings' way didn't. And it was just tough to watch. The other thing, and I brought this up earlier in the show, we need, I mean, I, I will, I'll be blunt, I think every every team needs this every when it comes to draft time you need to get offensive linemen and you need to get secondary help every team needs I mean that's 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 like one and two on every team's list basically and yet every year the Vikings convince themselves of going out and getting the shiny bobble and not getting what might not be the most glamorous pick but you know you you know when you look at teams that win Super Bowls they have offensive lines that could stop a Mack truck they have, you know, secondary help where you better think twice about throwing the ball. And the Vikings just, they continually 
fail to get the players around them through the means they can, through the draft, that would help this team, not in the flashy way, but in a way that would lead to more wins. Is that a fair assessment as well? You're absolutely correct, and that was on display yesterday. I mean, the offensive line uh, was not – I mean, it just was a very – it was it was just a scenario by which Cousins was just under pressure the entire time. And I don't – I think that he needs to have more space. He needs to have more of the field, as any quarterback does. But he just seemed to be far too accessible during the game and under pressure and quick decisions. And, and I know – I mean no disrespect – to Kirk Cousins, but I've not found him to be a quick decision, uh, the type of player who makes good decisions in a, in a, in a high-pressure, quick situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he needs to see the play. He needs to see the field. He needs to, to have you know clear lines of sight, and he's able to make strong passes. But when he's under pressure, I've not found him to be uh, a quality quarterback, and that was on display yesterday particularly near the end of the game, where it was just incredibly frustrating to watch. Well, and, I mean, you just opened up a, a, an interesting can about what makes a great quarterback in the league because the reality is is that when you look at the great ones, that they, they it's not like they don't play under pressure and sometimes they don't have an offensive line, but they don't nearly have the trouble of beating the blitz like that Cousins does. And and so yeah, you know, so I've seen plenty of times with with whether Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady was scrambling. I mean, Brady had to scramble a lot. I mean, there were there were definitely sometimes his offensive line had some issues. But you know, at the same time, that's what makes those great quarterbacks. And where they became lethal is if you gave them ten seconds in a pocket, they would find someone and for yardage. And so that's that's the difference. Is that Cousins is a great guy back there. If you give him you know five six seconds every time to throw, he'll pick you apart. But when it comes down to time to scramble, he's just he doesn't have that that it factor that the great quarterbacks have that allows them to find the option route that is out there that the blitz is not picking up. Correct. My my family seats are corner end zone section one twenty four road nineteen. So we so we're seeing kind of end zone corner end zone of the field, and that gives us perspective. Generally speaking, when the Vikings coming down the field and. Or, you know, on the other side. But generally you get two plays of the, two, you know, two quarters of the Vikings coming down that way. And there were a number of scenarios yesterday where, you know, Jordan Anderson, Jordan Anderson was, was wide open, but Cousins was just under pressure. And I don't think he had the opportunity to get a full view of the field and see the other pass opportunities that were there. Mm-hmm. Now it's very easy for me to say I'm almost 50 years old. I've never played an organized game of football meeting league play in my entire life. My mom wouldn't let me play football. I've never played in the NFL, so it's very easy for me to Monday morning quarterback. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but based on the reaction from fans and other people that I've listened to, uh, that I've heard, spoken to, I mean, that's a pretty fair analysis, I think, yeah. of the kind of the problems that Cousin is, is having right now. Well, and there is, I mean, this town is, like I said, it's about to go into the purge. I mean, it's 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 not that's very, exactly right. It's, it's not very. I will pick enough. you up. I will pick you up. Okay, I'll pick you up. We'll go. The 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 crazy part is is this is that we we you and I need to talk, you and I are not expert analysis. We're not football players, but we need to talk about this because we got to bring people back from the ledge. It's a football game. You know, they're going to win some. They're going to lose some. Have you tried apple picking? It's the time of year. They're delicious. Now that being said. I want to bring up one play 
And that was that final interception, which, I mean, frankly, you're talking about bounces that hit, uh, you know, know, bounces going the other way. I mean, that ball should have hit the ground a thousand times from Sunday. Hawkinson, I mean, as much as you want to criticize, people want to uh, criticize Kirk, he had that ball on his hands. This is our new superstar tight end. This is the guy that was holding out, basically saying, I want more money. We gave him more money. That ball was on his hands and he dropped it. And, And I understand it's one play. One play, though, that caught, you know cost us the game. The reality is, is if you're going to go on out there and demand the big boy money, and then I'm a big boy player, well, then you—that's why—that's the time you need to deliver to show us that. Oh yeah, you're worth every dime. You're absolutely correct, and I do believe, I do believe this. There was a lot of frustration, and I know there's been some discussion, uh, you know, O'Connell and from, from Cousins about the 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 sound in the stadium yesterday. And think about, think about if you would for a moment, all the empty couches that occurred, I can imagine at home from people uh, standing up at their television set saying, spike the ball, spike the ball, spike the ball. The sound that came from that play that I think created a lot of confusion was the clock kept ticking. It kept going down and I think that the Vikings and the Vikings fans are very good at when, you know, when the stadium sign says, you know, goes up and says, you know, be quiet, offensive play. The offense is currently, you know, on the field, be quiet. The Vikings fans, including myself, are very good at being quiet. But when the clock started to tick down and there was no movement, there was very poor clock management at the end of that game. And this is what I will rest on Kirk Cousins' shoulders is that he's been in this league for 12 seasons. This is not his first time being in that type of situation. And if that's just not in his DNA, if that's just not, if he hasn't figured that out, what to do in that type of situation to just spike the ball, and he's waiting to get communication from his coach, to me he's, and again, I can say this because I've never donned an NFL uniform, but in my head he's overthinking What's going on in that scenario? And what, wanting to make perfect the enemy of great. Mm-hmm. And he sh- and far too much time went away. And so people were animated in the stadium because the clock kept going down because there was poor clock management. And this was the opportunity. I mean, the, the, the Vikings play inside the red zone was just abysmal yesterday. Yeah, Just abysmal. And that was just, I think, the heat of the moment. But that comes down to preparation both at the coaching level and at the player level. Um, but it's further reasons why I just – Kirk Cousins may be a really nice guy, um, but I just don't know that he's the quarterback that's going to deliver us yeah. to the promised land. Well, don't turn on the home crown like that. Yeah. You, play, you play in Seattle. You've gone to Seattle. Seattle is as loud as it gets. And, you know, you've, you've had to do silent counts there. Plus, as you said, 12 years in the league, you should know, okay, I can't be holding the ball for this. We can't be taking this long. Spike the damn ball and get it down. And then go over and talk really quick and get a play in there with hand signals Correct. as opposed to this. You know, don't, you know, there's no way on the planet that that was louder Correct. in a home dome. So don't, don't, don't act like that was a problem. All right. Uh, Carolina next there week. There is one thing. Go ahead. There is there is one thing I do want to say that I just have to just put on the record. I have heard since I got in my car with my son yesterday, got home and have consumed kind of you know podcast, other sports commentary. Anyone who believes that trading Justin Jefferson or not getting oh. him to be a part of this team going forward has lost their mind. <laughs> you, I will tell you. You're right. You. 
he is the heart and soul of this team. Losing Justin Jefferson would suck all of the oxygen out of the fan base, out of the energy in that stadium, that complex. And I just got to tell you, there's, there, there are a number of paths where this team can go to rebuild and to truly rebuild. But if there is a scenario by which anyone over at Vikings headquarters, which is around two miles from my house right now, is thinking about trading or not, not investing in keeping Justin Jefferson as a part of this team, my goodness, that would be a mistake. You turn us into the Detroit Lions. I just needed to say that. No, you're exactly right. No, you're, you're exactly right. See, we don't play the game. We're not experts, but this is just we're, this is this is grief counseling, and this is this is what we need to do. Yes, it is good. Carolina next week. Can we win that game? I mean, they're on three. We're on three. I don't know that we've hit rock bottom. Just mm-hmm. like when I come on and talk about my political analysis and say that my hope is that the Republican Party has hit rock bottom. I, it's fair for me to say that I don't know if the Vikings have hit rock bottom. Okay. Um, and, you know, you, you and I have been a part of a number of these seasons where it would not surprise me. How many times has someone been, I think Detroit is a perfect example. How many games had Detroit lost one season? I think we were their first win. I think they were like 0-11 or 12, and we lost, they lost, you know, Detroit beat us one year. It is absolutely conceivable that they could lose in Carolina and come back to then place the place play the Chiefs, um, and i got to just say, while we're on the rec- subject of the Chiefs, I think there's going to be a lot of people inside that stadium to see the Chiefs play and cheer for the Vikings. I do believe there's going to be a lot of fans showing up, hoping that Taylor Swift is there, too. Well, I just want to put that well, out there. I mean, it's Tay-Tay. All right. Uh, one political question for you, and this is actually something I stumbled on last week when the entire uh, cannabis director thing fell apart. Uh, how hard is it going to be to find an advocate for cannabis who hasn't broken the law at some point? I mean, that's not exi- – that actually is a tough find. I don't know where they're going. They must uh, – the only thing I can think about is hiring someone out of like Colorado or something like that. Well, I think it's important that – I mean, you know, think about it this way. I mean, and, and I think that's not an unfair, unfair statement, but think about it this way. I mean, if you, would, would if you're going to hire someone to be the head of the Minnesota Department of Revenue – and news came out that they were not tax compliant, yes. wouldn't that be a reasonable criticism <laughs> to bring up? I think yes. for some reason we want to allow non-compliance or uh, not following the law as some bit of, of, of patriotism or their defiance against the system. There's a lot of people in this state who have never used, that have, that never used marijuana prior to it being legal and that are that they do things the right way in this state. And I think that there is a way in which you can be an advocate for changing the law while simultaneously recognizing that the law exists for a reason. Yeah. And I think that the problem here is that it was there were a number of issues I think related to how this uh, appointment came to happen. I will just say on a personal level and I, I mentioned this on my pod we just did an episode about this. I, I always I want the best and brightest to be a part of state government and federal government. I want state government to attract the best type of people. And just on a personal level, I feel really bad for the, uh, Mr. Pre that she's gone through this. And, and I just, I, I hope that she's able to come out the other side and recover and, and continue to, to be active in this community. She's taken a lot in the last 48 to 72 hours. And I just hope that that there's some thought put into making sure that when we're recruiting people to serve in state government, that they're getting the type of help 
and support they need as they navigate the public scrutiny that comes. I would agree with it wholeheartedly. And as a matter of fact, I think that it's it's a rare fumble by the Walls administration that they didn't do a, a kind of a more thorough background check on that whole thing. And, and you're going to have to. It's going to it, it's going to be a fine balance beam. And she doesn't deserve it necessarily. But at the same time, you know, it's. You know, as a lot of people want to bring up scandals, maybe with like SROs, the reality is, is I think this is a rare thing for Walls. This was a screw up. And it will be interesting to see where they go forward, because there are some parameters around that that director's position, which you're going to have to deal with. And my guess is going to be we'll probably have to fire someone from another state. Michael, I got to get going. Uh, We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you so much for the time. My pleasure. We'll talk to you next Monday after the Carolina game. Okay. Yeah, bye-bye, sir. Bye-bye. Michael Broadcourt. And once again, if you're not catching his podcast, that podcast is very, very good. And so it, it, they talk to a lot of people. Steve Simon, they've talked to the head of the DFL and the, the G- Minnesota GOP. So a lot of great things there. I'll make sure I uh, – the breakdown with uh, you know with uh, Broadcourt and Becky, I'll make sure I get that posted out there as well so you can enjoy that. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break, wrap up the show for your Monday. When we do return, it's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. actually think, frankly, Michael Broadcorp and I actually have the most honest breakdown of the Vikings just because we don't have any kind of strings pulling us. <laughs> it's like we talk about it like exasperated fans. Oh, and by the way, Patrick, you'll agree with me. As bad as things were for the Vikings, that go for loss. I mean, that is that is program crippling. I mean, I can't believe that one. It's Northwestern. It's not Ohio State that you had down 31-10 in the fourth quarter. I mean, that one, you'd, you'd still be upset, but you go, ah, it's Ohio State. I mean, I watched. You know. I watched that game on Saturday night, and then I watched two things, and I turned it off because I said, they're going to lose. This is, they, were, they, were up, they were up by seven still. We kick off the ball. For some reason, our special team guys thinks you can down the ball in the end zone. I still am stunned by that one. And then we get a, a, a face mask penalty, another face mask penalty. I'm like, what are you guys doing? We gave them, we gave them 35 yards down the field on our own. And, and it's, it's just, yeah. I mean, I guarantee you this. If you're a Gopher fan, uh, here's the bad thing, is that every coach in the Big Ten, whenever they come in, it's like, well, I'm thinking about going to the University of Minnesota. They're going to just, let me, bring, let me show you what happened at the end of that Northwestern game. Do you really want to be part of this? And that's what I mean, is that you just lost recruits, you just lost commitments, you just lost wins, and probably is going to be at least another two or three years before P.J. Fleck, I mean, if he's going to be even able to, can turn that team around. Now, that being said, enough on sports. I will say this. Uh, a lot. Of, you might be wondering, hey, Matt, I saw us on Twitter that you got into a little bit of a thing with the Dakota County Sheriff. I said, I did. I did. He and I were going back and forth about the SROs. And he was trying to make the point about there's a lot of misinformation. And my point is, yeah, the misinformation came from Republicans at the beginning of it because everything they said about the SRO laws was a lie. Everything about it. Well, he he basically kind of put the offer on. I said, well, I'll tell you what. How about I have you on my show? And he said, yeah. Well, he couldn't make it today. We're going to try to make it happen today. He's going to join us on Wednesday in the 4 o'clock hour after Stein. We're going to talk to the Dakota County Sheriff, and he's going to give us some thoughts on the SRO issue, although he himself admitted it's probably not as urgent because it sounds like most of the SROs are going to be back in school anyway, especially now that the the DFL has said, nope, we're not going to have a special session. That's just that. So, you know, off they go. We'll, uh, We'll get more on that coming up here, but that's coming up here on Wednesday. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We're back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.